Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. As we were singing through the service um, so far and um, the prayers and the scriptures, uh, just deeply grateful this morning um, for our worship team, um, as we, we always are. You know, it can be confusing sometimes. Um, you know, the reason we have this stage is not because we're performing. It's not because they're up here to perform us. So you, you can, they can lead us and lead us to looking to our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for the faithfulness and Jordan's leadership and, and the team. Um, we, we all are just so thankful for how they continue to do that um, week after week. But I was thinking as they did so today, you know, they really kind of preached a sermon once already. Um, but... With that said, we're still going to do it again, okay? Um, you know, as I, um, as I think about Christmas, this is the last Sunday prior to Christmas. We do hope you all join us on Christmas Eve um, oh, at 3 and 5 if you missed that announcement earlier. But this is the last Sunday before Christmas. And so as I think about Christmas coming, you know, in church we're only supposed to talk about Jesus and, and who Jesus is, and that's good. Um, and many of you... Many of, I'll say it this way, that's not fair. Many of us also think about uh, the fun of Christmas Day and family getting together and that sort of stuff going on. And then there's also the gifts. There's also the presents, right? Maybe you get really excited about giving those. Maybe it's receiving those. But every one of us, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think every one of us in this room has had the experience of opening up a gift at Christmas time, right? And so when I talk about opening up a gift at Christmas time, I would contend that there are two types of people in the world when it comes to opening up a gift, Y'all know the two types? There's the person in their exuberance, often in a little child, but not always, in their exuberance, grabs the gift and somehow it is magically open completely in one fell swoop, right? Just tearing at it real fast. Then there's those other people that were like my Aunt Marilyn, um, who we would have 20 people together and 19 of them would have already opened a gift or seven by the time she opened one because it was very slow, savoring the moment, wanting it to last, not wanting Christmas to be over, and we're all like, come on, right? (laughs) This morning, I bring up gifts because God promises a gift to his people in Isaiah chapter 9. Okay, Actually, he had originally promised it back in Genesis chapter 3. And while for us today, we thought we talk about Jesus, it's like, woo, the gift's open, we got it, we see it. Right? We talk about Jesus. For the people in Isaiah's day, it had been a slow opening of that, of that gift to understand what that gift was. So it was a slow opening. Started in Genesis 3. It continued piece by piece to be pulled back. But as we come here to Isaiah chapter 9, we see it much more fully. Um, Jesus hadn't come yet, but we see it more fully here. And so what we want to do today is, is I'm going to keep the outline really simple for us. We're going to unwrap that gift all right, we're going to see what that gift is in Jesus and see about him. And then we're going to talk about enjoying that gift. Okay, so we're going to unwrap the gift and we're going to talk about enjoying that gift. Um, so if you will, um, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. This was read for us earlier in its entirety. And so what I'm going to do is just um, as we come to each verse, um, read that for us um, as we go. Remember, this was written 700 years before Jesus came. So this is part of that slow unwrapping. And so let's, let's together unwrap that gift here. 
Um, that gift, again, is Jesus, right? And what does Isaiah say about it? Look at verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does this passage tell us about Jesus? Well, it says, to us, a to, to us, Jesus came, to us a child is born, to us a son is given or gifted, and he will be in charge and everything will be okay. That's my paraphrase. He will be in charge and everything will be okay. Why? Because of who he is and because of what he's done. And we see that in these names that are used for Jesus in the passage. So let's break those down for a minute. First, it says that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Now, when we think about counselor, we think about the people we go see, and, and that, that is an aspect of counselor we'll come back to in a minute, like to help us think through problems, things going on, whether in our marriages, in our families, in our lives. And, and um, we'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to tell you a little bit about counselors in Isaiah's time because it helps us here. Um, good counselors in Isaiah's time, um, they were priceless. Because the word um, most commonly used, or, or was most commonly used, this word counselor, was used to describe a military strategist or a, a kingdom strategist. Okay, and so they would be the ones who would counsel the king and the leaders as to what was the best approach to protecting or expanding the kingdom. You with me? So the need to be surrounded by good counselors, right, um, everybody would have understood that. It means, um, it, it would mean the success of the kingdom. And so it was, it was greatly needed. But good counsel was not always easy to find. Often kings just like to have people around them that agreed with them. And if you only put people around you that agree with you, does that normally end in good counsel all the time? No. It often meant that they were receiving bad counsel. And that often resulted in the fall of their kingdom. And so Jesus was a good counselor in this sense. But there's a word before that that says wonderful counselor. And you know, in our, that, that's been kind of um, somewhat dumbed down in our society. We're like, oh, it's wonderful. It's great. Um, but that's a weak interpretation or a weak translation of the Hebrew word used here because the Hebrew word used here indicates a, a sense of divine counselor or a God-type counselor. And that's in contrast to the type of counselor that Satan was. We're going to have a story about Christmas while we're bringing up Satan, right? Do you remember that Satan was a counselor? Do you remember that he was a counselor to Adam and Eve? Remember what he said? He said, counsel that seemed good. He said, you can be in control. You can be like God. You can do what seems best to you. You can follow your good plan. But that led to the fall of man. Seemed great. It's what they wanted to hear but it led to sin and the fall of man. Jesus has a wonderful or God-type strategy. And, and, and actually, contrary to Satan's strategy that looked good to the world, 
The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1 that, that God's strategy looked like foolishness to the world. But it was good for his people, no matter what it looked like to the world. Look at his strategy. We see it in Luke chapter 2. We read it earlier, but I'll read it again uh, earlier in the service. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Looks like foolishness. The wonderful godlike strategy? Here it is. A baby, boy, a baby is going to be born in a seemingly insignificant way. He's going to, and, and he's going to save his people from the broken relationship that the whole world had with God. This little baby was going to bring peace between God and man. But Jesus did also come as a counselor in the sense that we do think of counselor. So this is strategist aspect, but also he understood the problem. When you go to a counselor, you're hoping they understand the problem. They can help you see what's going on, right? And that they can give you some tools and things to help you address those things. Sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't. But Jesus understood the problem. And Jesus had the strategy to deal with the problem. But not only the strategy, he also had the ability. He had the ability to do something about the problem. Why did he have that ability? Well, we need to unwrap the gift a little bit more, and it goes to the second name that's used here. The passage tells us not only was he a wonderful counselor, he was mighty God. That's a pretty big claim, um, even in Isaiah's day. Um, and, and the way Jesus was different, this Messiah to come, who we know to be Jesus, the way that was different is that Jesus was fully God. He spoke the world into existence with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But he also stepped into the world he created and became like one of those that he created and became fully man. But Jesus is a warrior who fights with the power of God himself. Why could he do something about the problem? Because he was perfect. Because he had the power of God. He was strong enough to deal with the weight of the sin of the world, to take that upon himself, to take that, to quote the passage, upon his shoulders. He sees the problem. He came to fix the problem. You know, in Isaiah's day, a lot of times now when we think about military leaders, um, or even, you know, well, we'll just use now, when we think about military leaders, they're the people that, are, that, that sit back and watch the battle unfold on a screen and direct and, and guide or, you know, on the radio, whatever, right? But in Isaiah's day, the king was one who'd entered the battle and led their soldiers in battle. He went out with them. You know, sometimes we think of Jesus when we think this way, it's easy to stop and go, yeah, he's the king leading in battle, so he just kind of set up in heaven and directed his people. No. He came and he was among us. And he went into hand-to-hand -hand combat with death itself. And he won. The Spirit of God raised him from the dead. He came here unto us. He came as one of us, a child, a son. 
and he defeated death. His people have no need to fear because he won the battle. He is in charge of the kingdom. The government's on his shoulders. And he's proven it. But let's keep going. Let's peel that back a little bit further. It also says he's the everlasting father. When you think about a father, you may have a good image. You may not have a good image. Um, And it just depends. A lot of that depends on um, your childhood and how you were raised or what you've seen in others. But when Isaiah uses this term father, he's talking about one who is compassionate Tender and compassionate. So he's saying Jesus is compassionate. More compassionate than anyone we've ever known. And Jesus is the protector of his children. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that means today that Jesus is compassionate toward you. And he will protect you. But it also says he's an everlasting father. He's an everlasting father. That means that his compassion for his children will not end. His protection for his children will not end. You see, Jesus is everlasting. He doesn't get frail. He doesn't wear out. He's not moody like an earthly father might be sometimes. I was thinking about this this morning, and I was thinking about my children. You know that every day my children wake up, there's some aspect of my children that may be thinking, I wonder what kind of mood daddy's going to be in today. Every day. And sometimes I'm not proud of the way of my mood. But y'all... God's compassion for his children is from everlasting to everlasting. His protection of his children does not waver, does not fail. He is also the prince of peace. The main reason Jesus came, the primary goal Jesus came with, was to reconcile a people to bring peace between God and man. That means a lot for us, but but understand that is the primary reason he came, to bring peace between God and anyone who acknowledges our sin and our, our need for him, that he is our only hope. So that means if you're sitting here today, he came to bring peace between God and you. If we have a relationship with God, if you're here this morning and, and, and you know Jesus, I want to say to you, I want to say to us, God, we should never grow tired of the beauty of that truth. The compassionate protector came that we might have a relationship, that we might have peace with him. This is the objective peace that through Jesus we have it but it also leads to an internal peace. And this is the part that's a battle on this earth, right? The objective peace, Jesus said, is done. The internal peace, well, that's a day-to-day battle because it's learning to believe it's true. 
We see in Ephesians 2 that it goes further than that too, though. It says if we have been reconciled with God, that that will lead us to be reconciled to have peace with who? One another. And it gets really hard, right? That's because when we've been reconciled to God, we understand that that's what matters more than anything else in the world. And so we don't have to be right all the time. When we've been reconciled with God, we don't have to be better than others all the time. We don't have to win over others all the time. We don't have to have control or, or over all the circumstances because we have an internal peace that no matter what happens, we have peace with God. And therefore, everything ultimately is going to be okay. Even when circumstances, even when other people scream otherwise. So now that we've unwrapped the gift, I want to talk to you a minute about enjoying the gift. You know, if you're a longtime churchgoer, you can come in, we can come in at Christmas, and it can kind of be like, um, yeah, okay, this is the Sunday of Advent, this is the fourth Sunday, we talk about peace because it's the fourth Sunday, so we need to make sure we do that. So it's kind of like, yep, peace, peace, Jesus gift, okay, thank you. And I don't mean to be crass about that, but sometimes that's how we, that's how we receive it, right? And in reality, that's how we receive it day by day sometimes. So to enjoy the gift, we need to understand that, that the gift we have received through Jesus, the, the peace we have with God through this gift, again, those things aren't going anywhere. And that's why Isaiah went through those names. And now look at verse 7 because Isaiah continues to show that it isn't going anywhere. In fact, he says it's going to grow. It's going to grow. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah here is doubling down with the people. He's saying things seem really bleak in your history right now. You're being conquered and ruled by outside people. And it's going to look like the kingdom of God is destroyed. Y'all remember that? That's kind of the context we've been talking about. It's going to look like the kingdom of God is destroyed. But make no mistake, the government, the kingdom, that Messiah, the one we know as Jesus brings, the peace that Jesus brings, it's not going anywhere. It's going to grow. Jesus is establishing the kingdom. He will uphold the kingdom back in verse 7. He will do so in justice and righteousness. And so what Isaiah is saying is to the people that in Jesus' kingdom, things are going to be different. In Jesus' kingdom, things are different. All the things that seem wrong will be made right in his ultimate kingdom, in, in the new heavens and the new earth. You remember what it tells us about it in Revelation. We talk about it often here, but no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrows, no more sickness, no more death. All those things, all things there will be completely just, completely right. He says there'll be no more sin. That means there's, there's no more selfishness, no manipulation, no lying, no vying for power. The list goes on, by the way. When you think about Christmas, will you join me uh, this week in asking God by the power of the Holy Spirit to help, us, help you reflect on that day to come? Because reflecting on the day to come helps us today. That day to come will be better than you can think or imagine. 
So I encourage you to ask God to help you think on that this week. And don't miss this next phrase in verse 7. He says, he will do this from this time forth, from this time forth and forevermore. See, we just covered the forevermore part. That's the new heavens and new earth. That's, that's what we think about, right? That's, that's the, the, where all the, all the bad's gone because he's restored all things. But we often miss the from this time forth. Because here, the, the this time forth means that Jesus is establishing and upholding his kingdom and peace now. He's doing that now. Things that seem wrong will be made right, not only later, but now. And this happens when the people of God submit to the Word of God, to His plan, to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, no matter what circumstances or consequences we face in this life. We see glimpses of, pictures of, His peace being established even now. Maybe we see this on a bigger scale in the world. Um, you may know this already. But early term abortion is on the brink of being overturned. That is a picture of his peace coming about in a small way, a big way. Maybe you heard this week that the Christians in Haiti, um, the Christian missionaries, that they were, all of them were freed this week. They were freed saying, we know we didn't deserve this, but we're thankful for it. And they're telling of others of God's faithfulness in the midst of it. Or maybe it's, and this one's going to be harder for us to accept, but, but maybe we see his peace in Christians praising God even as they and their families are killed in the Sudan and Afghanistan for their faith. You see, it's a picture of his peace because they're saying, we believe that knowing Jesus is more important than anything else in this world and standing for our faith in him. And so even if it costs our lives, we have internal peace with God. But maybe we see glimpses of God's kingdom and peace growing in our own lives and relationships. Because we have peace with God through Jesus. And I, wanna, I want you to really hear these things as a, as a challenge from our Lord here today. Because we have peace with God through Jesus. We're able to learn and ask him to help us forgive or love a spouse who has hurt us greatly. We're able to forgive or love a family member that's pushed us away. We're able to love a child that, that's fled and left behind their family values. We're able to welcome home a wayward child. And there are many other examples. But even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't feel like it, God's peace, His kingdom, will not stop growing until all who have been called by God understand their sin and turn to Jesus as their only way to have peace with Him. It's only then that the kingdom of God will be complete and Jesus will come again. But y'all, these things are not always our experiences because we live in a broken world. And so circumstantial peace in every situation is not promised. 
It's not promised that we're going to have that in every situation. And, and when that is what we're pursuing, it actually le often leaves us feeling the opposite of peace. And then the other side of this is that some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I've got great circumstances, Tim. Things are good right now. I feel pretty peaceful in my life right now. I want to say to you, I'm happy for you. That is wonderful. And I want to caution you a little bit. If that peace is because things are good right now and you think you've created that for yourself or you think you need to, to um, keep them the, that way by control or manipulation of circumstances or other people, then that's not God's peace. We might fool ourselves and others for a while, but, but we're not really enjoying the gift of God's peace if that's what we're trying to do. We're not enjoying the peace we have with God through Jesus. We're not enjoying the peace that God promises to grow in us and around us as we submit to him and his way of justice and righteousness. But when we are submitting to him, we will grow in being able to enjoy the gift. And it may sound something like this. Sometimes life stinks. But Jesus can help me believe it is going to be okay. I grew up as a kid, as a young Christian, thinking I could never say life stinks. Because I thought I had to just pretend like it was all good. There's quite a few people in God's word that acknowledge that life stinks. So we can do that. But will we follow that with saying, Jesus can help me believe it is going to be okay. You want a few examples? I'm going to give you just a few. Definitely not an exhaustive list. COVID has disrupted many things in my life that I enjoy. COVID stinks. But Jesus can help me believe it's going to be okay. I lost a loved one you know, we grieve and mourn appropriately. But as we grieve and mourn, we acknowledge that it's a sad and awful situation. But ask God to help us understand. I'm not telling you it's like a boom and he's done it. But it's a time and it's a process that he helps us understand that it's going to be okay. My marriage is not what I want it to be. That stinks but it's going to be okay because God is not going to leave you or forsake you no matter how bad it gets. Kids, teenagers, um, you know, you may think my family is boring. My parents are mean. No one cares what I want. But, but I want to tell you something again here about Jesus. Jesus knows you're experiencing all that. Jesus knows what's going on in your heart more than your parents, your siblings, your best friend. He knows more than anyone what's, you're going, what's going on. And Jesus has a compassion and a mercy 
and a tenderness, even for you in those situations, it's going to be okay. The world we live in, I want to say something here that kind of pushes at a lot of us at times. But it is going to be okay even if the United States of America completely turns away from Jesus. Jesus is still going to be establishing his kingdom. Jesus is still going to be establishing his peace. It's going to grow. It will happen. Throughout the world, the increase of Christ's kingdom will go on and on as people continue to repent and turn to him. It is growing in leaps and bounds. It is not failing. It's being established throughout the world by the people of God. This Christmas season, this week, will you take time to reflect on those things? Because here's the final promise from the passage, verse, the end of verse 7. It says, this stuff's already guaranteed. Not because of how great we are, what we're going to accomplish, but it says this, because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What will he do? He brought the gift, Jesus. He will bring the gift. That gift was Jesus. And then second, he will help us enjoy this gift as we continue to ask him to enjoy Jesus, to enjoy the peace that he brings for us with God. And so I want to ask you to think on those things this week. You know, every other gift wears out. Every other gift we get tired of after a while. The gift of Jesus keeps growing. Will you ask him to help you see that um, this week? As we turn our attention to communion... I want you to take a few minutes, and, and I always say this, I give you a little bit of direction, but um, if you can pray something different too, and that's okay. Um, but I want to I encourage you to take a few minutes and say, Lord, um, show me what I think I want, what, what gift I think I want more than I want you. What do I think can help me more than you can help me? And just take a few minutes, lay that before the Lord, and then we'll come to his table. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.